Hi, I'm Stage and Stage's Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to The Hamilcast. Boots and cuts and boots and cuts. <laughs> <laughs> everybody welcome back to the Hamilcast. it is me jillian today i am here with andreas ferrero you say your name better than i do andres yeah that's okay you said it perfect <laughs> i'm sorry that's fine i'm so thrilled you're here you play drums in the pit in hamilton on broadway yes thank you so much i've spoken to many people about you being here and everyone is like, oh my God, he's amazing. Wow. Everyone has the, the greatest things to say about you from Alex Lackmore to Ian Weinberger, Eliza Oman, Kimmy Mark. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's an honor. So I apologize again for turning off Rush. <laughs> what? How cool to walk in <clears throat> to your home to, to, to those videos. I mean, I've never, ever stepped into a situation that instantly made me feel at home oh, like I'm that, so- Dad. Thank you. That's a that's a big compliment and exactly my goal. It worked. Thank you. Yeah, I, like my jaw hit your <laughs> beautiful wooden floor <laughs> and I probably turned pale. Like you looked at me like, what, how, and you said, how did you know? And I was like, well, I did my research. Yeah. And I might have been talking to Alex Lacamoire last night who said that the two of you are basically, I love you, man, but in real life. That is true. Yeah. He and I are brush geeks. And you guys have known each other for how long? Well, since we did uh, In the Heights off Broadway, so about 10, 11 years. Yeah. But, um, you know, talk about augmenting your life with... Uh, greatness i mean he's just uh done so much for me and my family so awesome. yeah all right well we'll get into that first um there's a cocktail yeah this is really awesome cheers <laughs> so cheers um you said that you liked vodka sours mimosa kind of thing so this is a yeah, vodka based <clears throat> which is which is my favorite too cool i'm a like a vodka based fruity kind of so this is like a lemonade with some um sugar raw sugar cane on the so rim. good yeah and it's called the i get the fuck back up again <laughs> I love it. Because I think that's part that's a big part of your story. That is basically my story. Right? Yep. I right, love cool. the name. That's really great. Awesome. <laughs> so good. Yeah, we have some candy here. It's like really whatever. Yeah, this is amazing to paint a picture for the folks listening. This is like a very cozy uh apartment in a very very cool part of New York and uh, there's great pictures of jazz musicians on the wall and some really great things having to do with broadway and new york city um it's very very nice here well thank, thank you. you for having me oh my god thank you for being here so if we can just dive in sort of from the beginning if if there are people listening who don't necessarily know your story how you got to be a drummer how you got to hamilton which i know you've known lynn since 2002 i think you said yeah 2002 i think yeah uh, and like why the cocktail is named the I get the fuck back up again. Like there's a lot to your story. So can we just yeah. dive into like from the beginning and sure. then we'll, we'll talk about like jazz and rush and Patreon peeps questions. Is that cool? Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, rush definitely takes me back to the beginning because I was a kid and um, I come from a family of uh, five kids. So there were four boys and a girl Okay. and I'm the youngest of the five. And so you can imagine all the music being passed down to me from my brothers and my sister. And one of the greatest memories that I've held on to um, is a record, Permanent Waves, that my brothers used to own. And I think my oldest brother, Jamie, passed it down to my second oldest brother, Marty, who passed it down to my third brother, uh, uh, oldest brother, Louis. 
who then passed it down to my sister and then I got it. So it's incredible how this, this thing was like an old pair of jeans. all love it the same way we all loved it the same way and yeah. my poor mom was you <laughs> she's know been listening to rush her whole life <laughs> she, she yeah she knows rush just as well as i do um and that was just the beginning uh, of that but that album really because it was the only album that was given to me of mm-hmm. theirs so to her credit uh, my mom bought me a very uh inexpensive record player that you could basically cart around it was like a suitcase you just open it plug it in yeah like that exactly (laughs) i would throw that thing on and my sister loved to read books so i would uh sift through her books and pick out you know big to little books and create a little drum set because i didn't have a drum set when i was a kid and so i would listen to that record and and i learned as best I could as a kid, the parts on the record, and it's you know progressive rock and roll, so it's kind of hard. There's different time signatures or whatever. But um, anyway, so Rush was a very big part of my youth growing up, um, and you know because of that progressive uh, music, and there's a certain intellect that comes with that music. It opened my mind to other music. Um, mm-hmm. And I already was interested in classical music. I mean, classical music and Latin music was like the first thing that I listened to as a kid. So I was, uh, as a child before Rush, I was like enthralled by box music. And there's a piano player named Glenn Gould, who's Canadian, who uh, I used to love to watch play. And uh, so from that, it graduated on to all sorts of different bands. Besides Rush, I listened to like Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. all those classic, iconic rock and roll bands. So I can't believe we were talking about this before. I cannot believe you, you and Alex Lagomart, neither of you have watched Freaks and Geeks, no. which is crazy to me because that is crazy. it's now my mission to get it's I, I'm going to start a campaign for the two of you to watch it. Because when <laughs> I was texting with Lack last night, he was saying that the two of you are I love you, man, in real life. Yeah. And so Jason Siegel, who is in i love you man he's the 50 percent of i love you man yeah <laughs> which one are you guys like are you guys both a little paul rudd and both a little jason siegel or is one of you yeah i think we're both a little <laughs> bit but i would say if you had to really give I, i'm probably a little more awkward that alex is a lot more put together than me so i would say i'm more paul rudd than i would be the paul rudd and he would be the jason siegel mm-hmm. alex has it together better than me <laughs> well, so. that, yeah yeah, I think we share the DNA. But. Yeah, yeah. But so Jason Siegel in Freaks and Geeks, it's basically that character in I Love You Man in high school. Wow. Because it takes place in 1980. Huh. Jason Siegel plays a character named Nick Andopoulos. He has a whole Neil Peart drum kit. He's obsessed with Rush. He has dry ice in his basement. Oh He's playing God. along with the headphones. Tom Sawyer. He's like all about, and it's this whole 
he loves uh, Led Zeppelin. He's like, a to- I can't believe that the two of you have not watched Freaks and Geeks. So I'm starting a campaign. I don't know how on Twitter, I guess. Well, you should do it. And listen, I'll you tell you, we'll, we'll sit together and we'll watch it. Because you'll sure. love it. Yeah. Maybe that's you know something you can uh, be a part of. And- I would I would love it. It's yeah. one of my favorite shows. My husband and I watch it all the time. We'll all watch. We'll have a Freaks and Geeks party. I think we should do it. All right. For sure. That's cool. amazing. Amazing. Done. Um. So that okay, so you went from that that Rush album being passed down. You love classical music. So then, how did you get into actually playing? My dad had a, a piano and an organ in our house, and I remember early on uh, just him playing music from Colombia, which is where my family's from. Mm-hmm. And so that you know that was the beginning. And then there were some uncles that had a little band together. And I remember there was a drummer that would play, and I got interested in the music that they were doing. Um, and then after that, shortly after that, I got involved in the school because there there was a drum set, there was snare drums, stuff that I couldn't afford, things that we didn't have. So it, it was pretty early on in school that I started to ask to see if I could be part of the band or whatever. And I played many instruments before I actually landed on the drums. Because there were there were not enough flute players, there were not enough saxophone players. Mm-hmm. Um, so as as a little boy, I bounced around to a couple different schools, uh, but eventually the drums became the instrument for me. What was it about the drums? Well, it wasn't really. I mean, I wanted to play guitar. To be honest with you, guitar is my of first love. Can, right? It's my first instrument. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I love it. It's actually like a a, a very big part of my life like mm-hmm. a passion i collect them i have many guitars so um yeah the the drums was just more of out of necessity there weren't enough drummers and they needed someone to play in the rockabilly band <laughs> and i started working at age nine um and in a rockabilly band and i was playing guitar in the beginning and then the drummer took off and and this is in rochester upstate new york mm-hmm. and they're like well we need a drummer and so they said, hey, you know, Andres, why don't you sit down and play uh, just until we get someone else? And I never left. And so then I started working, playing at these little bars. And I was just a kid yeah, uh, in Rochester doing that. So um, so it was, it was really interesting to, you know, leave the guitar to do that. And I played in another band in school playing guitar. And then the guitar just became secondary. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it went under the bed. And that was it. It was all about the drums. So. <laughs> it was all about the drums. Yeah. Well, your your bio says on your website, yeah. not only are you a Tony Grammy and Emmy Award winning musician, but that you, by 12 years old, you were playing over 13 instruments. Yeah. You were playing more instruments than how old you were. Yeah, but the, but playing them really badly. And it was all because... Oh, okay, here we all, go. It was all because of, uh, you know, the, there was a necessity for that. And by the way, the, the Tony, Emmy, and Grammy thing is, is a bit of a barf fest because I'm a part of those things but the folks that are you know in charge of helping me structure my site and all the stuff that i do that's important to put those things down um but uh the the instrument thing yeah i mean if you ask me to sit down and and play uh the piano i could probably get away with it the bass the guitar but when it comes to the other ones that i played maybe the other eight or nine instruments um it was that was back then right so so the when you when you're talking about those awards, you're saying because they're cast recordings or the Electric Company. Yeah, right? the Electric Company um, with Bill Sherman. Yeah, listeners. with Bill Sherman, mm-hmm, who's amazing. Yep. Uh, in the Heights, Hamilton, 
the electric company, which won a bunch of uh, Emmy Awards. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, between the two shows, we have the two Tony Awards, Mm -hmm. or many, many Tony Awards between Hamilton and In the Heights. Yeah. Um, And you were involved in Bring It On also? I was, which was a really great show. And, you know, I just, on my way to Washington with my family uh, a week ago, I listened to the entire cast recording of that really and it was so amazing and i hadn't listened to that since the last performance i had not revisited that music for any reason there was no reason to go back and in a sense i i I think i feel bad but i had forgotten a little bit about that having been so preoccupied with all the other stuff i had to keep in my brain you know you were in dc not only for the march for our lives but for uh in the heights of the kennedy that's right yeah and um we can talk about that uh, maybe a little bit later, but there was a lot of reasons why that was special uh, for me. But on the trip up there, I listened to this whole thing. And I'll be honest with you, I really loathe listening to myself play. Mm-hmm. But the great thing about a Broadway show is that, you know, a Broadway recording that is that you don't hear, the drums are there, and especially on that recording, you can hear it. But there's so much other cool stuff going on that Alex came up with mm-hmm. uh, and Lynn. Um, that it was I was able to get through it but the music is so cool and there's so much DNA of that show in Hamilton I was like, holy crap, that it's, I know that, <laughs> you know, I like, I feel like I'm, I'm living it again. So it just, it created a different, a different way of thinking the next time I played Hamilton. Really? Yeah. What did you really, take with you the next time you played it? Well, f- for starters, the way I would hold the sticks. So you can hold the sticks match grip, which is holding the sticks the same way in both hands mm-hmm. or traditional grip, which if you can imagine uh, a drummer playing an old like Civil War drum, the drum would be tilted, so they had to hold the stick differently. Um, instead of holding the stick in their hand like the right hand would traditionally, mm-hmm. they put the stick between their uh, middle finger and the ring finger. And so that's called traditional grip. Mm-hmm. So for Bring It On, I played the entire show traditional grip. This is also a whole storyline of Freaks and Geeks, just saying. Oh, is it really? Yes. Amazing. So, yeah, so it basically... I started thinking, hmm, having suffered the last year or so with uh, a collapsed carpal tunnel, mm-hmm. I started thinking, Jesus, maybe I should change the grip. You know, I've been to like some of the best doctors and there was that light bulb moment. Like, I wonder if I change what would happen. And that's kind of like asking someone that's never driven a stick 
to just get in the car and drive the stick because I've been playing the show. Um, I play it both ways, but I play only the marching stuff traditional. Like right hand man? Yeah, anything that has a lot of mar- like Civil War, mm-hmm. pre-Civil War drum in it is uh, traditional grip. And there's a different freedom to getting around the drums that way, as opposed to having one hand different from the other. Can you get the same sound, though? You know what? That's a great question. You you get totally different sound, unless you've been doing it for a while. So you can get the same sound? Right now, I couldn't. Okay. Now, I'd need to really work it into the show. Okay. So I did it a week ago. I, I, I mean, when I got back, I started, I did a show, and I did one song traditional that i've never played traditional before which one was it uh um yorktown which is a, a bitch of a song to play it's my favorite it's one of my favorites to play too because thanks to lynn and uh thanks to alex there's a lot of you know they gave us a little bit of room to put our fingerprint on mm. that you know as far as the energy is concerned and yeah what we do with it So I was wondering if you could maybe walk us through like what your what is your setup in the pit. So different from in the heights, uh, I have my own room. So when you walk into the pit, uh, you go up the little steps, two steps, and you go to the left, all the way to the left, the far left, is a little room that they created, which is soundproof because the drums are so bloody loud. Um, and I have um, a great sonar drum set uh, that was sent to me. And there's a pre-Civil War drum there that Majestic, uh, KHS sent me from Majestic. And that symbolizes that part of the show. Like the strings sort of symbolize that part of history and meets sort of the modern stuff on the other side. And we're literally divided. So there's the conductor on the, if, if you walk into the pit to the right of the conductor are all the strings key two and guitar and then to the left of the conductor if you walk into the pit is uh bass richard hammond benny reiner percussionist and then me inside the the drum room uh in in the drum room you know it's just it's a it the drum kit is the same as bring it on okay i have electronics where you would have a tom-tom i have a music stand above that so i can easily it's what is a tom-tom uh, tom is like a, you know like one of the drums that you hit that sit on top of the bass drum mm-hmm. um, so instead of that I have the electronics like a multi-pad okay um, and then I have you know array of different symbols that I use uh, it's it, it's it's a cool setup and it's a it's like it's like an office in a sense yeah uh, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't feel lucky you know you walk into a room you have space to put your stuff I mean they've made it so comfortable for us yeah. at that theater so we're lucky it to have looks that. like it's a cave uh-huh. yeah. can you can you stand there upright 
Yes. Well, I'm kind of short, so yeah, I can stand upright. I think it's probably about a eight foot ceiling, okay. something like that. All right. Um, but yeah, you it's so comfortable in there. There's so much room. Yeah. When I did in the Heights, you walked into the same pit, and to the right is where I was, where Key Two is, mm-hmm. surrounded by some plexi, but. It wasn't as comfortable. You had to sort of move stuff to get in. Yeah. Here, you walk in, you have a place to hang your stuff. Like, it's like we've evolved. Yeah. In a sense. So. <laughs> it's like the, the drummer's sweet. Yeah, it's really cool. You will be fine when our children tell their story. You will be fine. We'll tell the story of town. Oh, no matter what they tell you. Tomorrow there'll be more of us Telling the story of tonight The story of tonight We love you, don't give up. Thank you. Well, let's... Well, you said that we would get back to you guys being in DC for that. Let's talk oh, about it now. Cause yeah. we're here. Oh, sure. So you were there with your whole family and Lynn and lack because La- Lynn was uh, performing with Ben Platt. That's right. For, at the March for our lives. And lack was playing in that performance. Yeah. They were all performing in that. I had nothing to do with that. Right. And then it was also the, and it was also the, in the Heights at the Kennedy center. So right, there which, was a lot going on in DC. Super, super cool. And in my drum tech, Alex Gioso, um, was the drummer because I was supposed to play that. They called me to play. And I... The whole run at the Kennedy Center? Mm-hmm, yep. And I couldn't do it. And so I recommended my drum tech who's... Alex, he's an incredible drummer. What is a drum tech? Uh, so a drum tech is someone that you hire to set up your drums for a perform any given performance. Okay. But because of the stuff that I do and because of how anal I am about how things are set up, it's important to have the right person do the job mm-hmm. and he knows to the inch like i don't ever have to adjust anything and i've done performances with there's um a visually impaired musician raul midon that i work with with richard hammond who's our bass player who's the one that introduced me to raul uh, and we work in the city playing the jazz clubs a lot and i think we're going to japan in september but it's such a specific drum kit i mean it's big and it's drums and percussion, mm-hmm. and I control the click for the for that. Oh my god! So there's a lot going on. So, but it has to be set up exactly the way that I need it to be. And you know, Alex is the best that there is, and he's young and he's so sweet and, and super generous and very um, patient. So anyway, so it just occurred to me, you know, one of the things that was great that happened to me uh, with Broadway is that. I had never subbed. I mean, I subbed one time. My first experience with Broadway was in uh, my first year of college in the 90s when I was asked to do uh, Jelly's Last Jam, the first national tour with Gregory Hines, Maurice Hines, Frida Payne, Saving Glover. I had never done a Broadway show ever. So Eli Fountain called me and said, hey, listen, I can't be there for a certain part of the run. I need you to cover for me. Not can you cover for me. I need you to cover for me. And this is what you get paid. And I said, yeah, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Not knowing what the hell I was doing. <clears throat> Are you a member of the union? Well, what's a union? I can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the 802 and you got to sign up. So the next day I went and signed up. Uh, picked up 
my book and on the flight from there to St. Louis, I learned the book, which was not only percussion, but also drum set. So it was doubling both parts. Can you explain what the difference is? Oh, okay. So, well, percussion could mean many different things. Okay. Classical percussion is timpani, uh, snare drums, uh, concert bass drums, crash cymbals, um, triangles. Latin percussion or world percussion could be African drums, uh, Cuban drums, congas, timbales, you know, Puerto Rican instruments. Okay. So this particular thing was more on the Latin side. So there was uh, congas and timbales that I played. I played a djembe as well, plus the orchestral stuff. So it was like this huge responsibility. So would you say percussion was like the big umbrella and then drums is like one section of it? For that show, yes. Yeah. Because okay. the dr- there was a drummer that played most of the stuff, but when he went on stage, his drums were not mic'd and w- he was faking it and I was playing his part. Wait, what? Yeah. So he's just on stage. <laughs> he's in uh, dressed in this incredible... Uh, era costume mm-hmm. and i'm in the pit playing what he's pretending to play so i didn't know that that was part of the gig all i knew was i was playing percussion and then all of a sudden i'm like i have to play drum set which was fine with me right but i thought initially it was just percussion i didn't know what i was doing and then it took about a week for me to really get i mean there are two books and it was like this massive book of stuff that i'd never done in my life before uh, but the the one credit uh, I give to that is that when I was in high school, the high school, uh, sorry, the, the, our high school band teacher um, got a phone call for Ringling Brothers, and they said, "Listen, our drummer uh, OD'd, and we need a drummer to finish the the run here in Rochester at the oh War Memorial. God. Do you? We heard you have a student there that can read music and that could do it. And he came to me and said, "Would you like to do this?" And I said, "Yeah, I'll do it." Again young stupid not knowing what i'm getting into and circus music you have no breaks you're catching tricks you know you're playing all sorts of different things oh, right so you're visually like the audible punchline of what is happening exactly. like someone lands a jump or something like that's your right but there's what? certain things you cannot hit like if the aerialist is up there you can't strike a symbol right because that sonically to them is distracting and they can lose their step and fall and die None of which no I knew. No pressure at all. No one, to- one, I, no one told me. I had no idea. So I learned all of that literally in a matter of two days. Could you do that little the like... snare roll? Yeah. Yeah. So I would do that. Like if they jump up, you know, then you have to do something to, you know, to, to change their <laughs> jump up. But there's certain things you can't hit because they don't like it. And it's known that it's a distraction to them. Mm-hmm. But I'd never done that before. And never. nobody told you? You'd think that they would tell the person, no. like, this is a liability. You cannot do this thing. No, nothing. And it was kind of like, you know, being thrown under the bus. And you have to learn. And uh, Broadway music is one thing. Hamilton is a lot of music. Yeah. A lot of music. But if you go to a circus, the book is two times what Hamilton is, which Hamilton is 50-something songs. Here you have maybe 75 songs in a book. And the theme that year was Aladdin. So Ringling Brothers uh, would do something that had to do with Aladdin and into their, into their show with the, hor- uh, the horses and the elephants and obviously with the ringmaster. So um, <laughs> fast forward back to uh, the other show that that helped prepare me for Jelly's Last Jam, right? And uh, that w- and then after Jelly's Last Jam, I just did all jazz, Latin jazz, world music festivals, and I did no theater stuff at all. 
how did you get involved in in what Mandy Gonzalez and I call the Lynn Squad? Um, well, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life, for starters. But um, uh, Rolando Morales Matos is a percussionist on Lion King, and he also performed last night with the Jesus Christ Superstars. Oh my god! He's a percussionist that played on that. He's amazing. He comes from a family of of uh, of you know uh, very prestigious musicians. So he called me and said, "Listen, there's this thing, and I can't do it. Would you like to do it?" Um, it's a show, it's called In the Heights, and you have to bring, you know, a bunch of things. And I said, sure, I'll do it. What'd you have to bring? So back then, there was uh, a trio. The band was a trio. Mm -hmm. It was the very beginning stages of that show. Completely different storyline. And I played percussion with a drum set all in one. So you'd have like three congas a bass drum, cymbal, snare drum, everything was in front of me and there was a bucket for the rap songs, mm -hmm. like a literal paint bucket. Uh -huh. And the MD of that is now the music, uh, the electronics programmer, uh, Randy Cohen. So Randy was then the MD. and Music so, director. The music director, yeah, and playing piano as well. So it was a completely different show and that was my sort of return to, to to that so it was pretty cool so many people recognized what you had and what you were capable of that they were asking you to do these things i mean i think it's part that and also part um necessity you know people need you need when you need something and there's nothing else available you go to what is available yeah and that's part of i believe um the luck part of this stuff and mm. my life has been filled with a lot of luck a lot of lucky moments um and you know one of the things that has i think preserved and maybe with fate and uh, karma and all that stuff if you believe in it which i do me too is you know keeping sort of a humble uh life mm -hmm. and leading that life in a sense and surrounding yourself with those people and of course the the lynn squad as you called it um the, all those people are wonderfully that way. Humble people, no matter what their bank account statement is. I was with Lynn um, in Washington, and he hasn't changed at all. He's the same person that he was when I met him. Um, he's more worldly. You know, there's a lot more to learn from him. But he's also taking in from the people around him. Mm. Like, you know, he listens, and he, you talk, and he listens, and he responds. Uh, Alex is the same way. Alex is, you know, a different person from the person that I met. Um, but he's still the same. He's different in the sense that his name is recognized. He's recognized. But he's still the same amazing person he was when we met. Yeah. And that, those are the things that are inspiring. So. Yeah. So before we get into all the Hamilton stuff, because there's so much to talk about with Hamilton, um, two things. One, you are a jazz ambassador to the UN. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Can you please explain what that is and, and what you do with that? That is so cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great honor, um, but it's also kind of scary because now that I look back on it, you're sent to different places of the world where there's, you know, there's issues, there's problems within those countries. Mm-hmm. And you're sent there to 
be sort of a, a presenter of peace through music uh, and unity, which is really very heavy. Yes. And I think when I did it, I realized what it was, but I didn't realize what it was until much later. And you look back and you think, oh, my God. And, um, you know, it's incredible that you go there to provide a service, but you leave there having been provided a service. Right. You know, which is really deep. And I've been to Russia as an a ambassador. I've been to Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan. They're beautiful places with beautiful people, but have had some serious um, issues uh, internally you know, that needed the peace of music. And, and, and we perform. Yeah. And we talk to people. Um, and, and, man, just talking to folks is like a concert. It's like going to the greatest Broadway show or the greatest symphony in the world. Yeah. Just to have someone that cares to talk to you in some of these places is, is just as great as us going to hear Rush or, <laughs> you know, see Sting perform or yeah. whatever. What is it like to play a type of music for someone who's never heard that type of music before and then be able to have this conversation with them it's amazing yeah it's a great question <laughs> it's uh it's it's really wonderful because you see in their faces their faces tell you everything yeah you know and what they can't explain to you or communicate through words because i didn't understand the russian language i definitely didn't understand the language in africa or in kazakhstan or kyrgyzstan so you didn't need to talk there was an understanding just by their the looks that they gave you and if you care enough and you're smart enough to see the those little things which are huge things in my life you know yeah those things are the things that make up a successful trip right. not the amount that you got paid or any of that stuff it's the impact that that you were able to bring back with you you know yeah. so it's pretty cool yeah um so the cocktail tonight is the i get the fuck back up again uh-huh uh so you have a little bit of it <laughs> yeah there's plenty more i'm gonna have, give myself a refill um but you have been you were in a, a car accident yep where you not only had to learn how and correct me if i'm wrong learn how to walk again and also learn how to play drums again is that true is that Am I yeah. read that wrong? No, no, no. You read it right. Okay. Um, that that was a, a life experience um, that, it. I mean, it changed my life, you know. And I, I thought for a long time that, you know, I walked into that situation um, different somehow. Uh, thinking back now, I came out of it um, so grateful for so many more things. Um then, then I feel that I walked into it. I don't know if that makes sense. It's kind of hard to explain, but uh, it was, you know, when you're in an accident, it's out of your control. Mm. And that particular accident, there's nothing you can do. You're helpless. And when it changes, you know, the outcome or the trajectory of your life, um, you figure out ways to pick up the pieces. And the things that strengthen you on the other end, are uh, the the ways in how you fight back or how you give up, and I did plenty of both in in my uh, fight to get back to to things. Um, and and you know it's important to say that you know I think about Alex a lot when I think back of um, the day that I was called to audition for the off Broadway run of that and. 
I walked, of what show? Uh, in the Heights. Okay. And I had to call doctors and say, hey, listen, can I do this thing? And they're like, well, you can do it if you want to do it. And I'm like, well, if I do it, I'm going to have to tape the sticks to my hand because I have no muscle memory. You know, the, 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 I can hold them for a little bit, but then they fall out. And there's a whole lot of emotional, mental stuff that goes with that because it's like, Jesus, I, I can't even hold a spoon, you know? And now I'm going to go and meet some strangers that are maybe going to give me a job. Why the hell would they give me a job? They don't know me. They have no idea that I probably am not capable of doing what they need me to do, but somehow I'm going to go in there and fake it and, and convince them that they need to. And the lesson in that was that the music was so powerful <clears throat> that it allowed me, it gave me the strength to hold on to so much. The sticks was the metaphor, mm. but I did hold on to the sticks. I didn't have to tape them to my hand. Alex will tell you. <laughs> um, but man, I had that freaking tape right next to me. I was like, shit, I'm not going to do it. Because I didn't want the sticks to fall out and like, you know, go into yeah. his eye or someone else's eye, you know, in the <laughs> lawsuit. <laughs> but um, so I got through that, you know, and there's a lot more to that story, but I think for the past few years, I've been trying to graduate my my heart and my soul from that time period mm -hmm. and sort of just move on yeah. into into what's the challenges that I have coming ahead of me because sure. that left me with um, that accident left me with a bunch of uh, medical things that I'll deal with for the rest of my life that right. I think eventually you know will be the reason that be the cause of my demise will be those those reasons because it was pretty a difficult thing for anyone's body and brain to go through um and listen we're only as strong as we are as human beings and our bodies can only take so much you know yeah. but in the heights was very very important for me in particular because it gave me the strength to 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 beat like i like uh, uh fast-tracked a lot of my uh the progress in my recovery because of that show so you can imagine what it means to me, you know, it's, it means everything to me. So for that, I'll always be indebted to Lynn mm. and I'll always be indebted to Alex for that. And yeah. there's many more reasons, but sure. they haven't happened yet in our story here. So. Uh, right, right. Um, I, I didn't know this until you came over today. You said that you, something happened during the recording of the In the Heights album where you lost hearing in your left ear. Yeah, it was a recording that we did, um, and there was a blast of feedback. And when you do a recording session, um, you do line level checks. So you have one ear on, one headphone on, one off, so you can hear the acoustic element um, against what's in your headphone. And at some point I got to the third drum and I don't know what happened in the control room, but it was just a massive blow to my ear. So medically speaking, the entire inner eardrum, hair follicles and everything were blown completely gone forever. Um, and for that kind of loss, there is no, uh, medically, there is no cure at this point. There's mm -hmm. no transplant. There's no nothing that can be done. Um, so, you know, listen, you lose your ear. Uh, I had already been through a lot of stuff uh, at that point in my life and I have another ear so I can either give up and blame the world for this shit or 
uh, I can move on and be can grateful you get that the I fuck back up again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Well, and I was going to say, neither of those things define you. They're no. just part of your journey and your part story. of the journey. Exactly. Like, it's not. So having lost that left ear changed my life forever. Mm. You know, um, I, I hear things. My right ear ear hears things differently than it ever did before. So that's the weirdest part is that I knew what it was like before. But now that I don't hear anything in this one year, this other one decided it's like bionic sure. and wants to hear everything. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a challenge, you know, it's, it's a, but I'm grateful to have that year yeah. to be able to hear. So, and you were saying earlier that that is yet another bond that you share with Alex Lackamore. Yeah. Alex has had uh, hearing issues with both of his ears uh, since he was a child. And uh, so, you know, when we get together, we really don't know what the hell we're saying, but we just like being around each other, I think. And, and, and that's just enough for us, you know, (laughs) that would be enough. Yeah, that would be enough. (laughs) There it is. You know, it brings up a great thing that the filter system of who they bring in to that theater, Mm. you know, from the people that work in the theater, because this is my second show at the Richard Rogers and everyone that works at that theater is just as important as everyone else the guy that runs the pit area or the gal uh the guy or gal that runs the concessions all of those folks are family and we all talk and we all say hi we hug each other if you had you know a day or a week or whatever it took to film the interaction between people you'd be amazed at you know, the the random acts of human kindness that you'd see in that theater. Mm. And it's because they're all like-minded people. And where do you find that in a situation? And who would have thought that we'd be back at the Richard Rogers Theater, you know? Part of that is Lynn's, um, he, he's so good at keeping a family, mm. you know? Um, it's, there's, he's, he's very dedicated and he's dedicated to the people that that he feels are work well together. And we had such a great run for In the Heights, and he got along, we all got along so well um, that I think he could have chosen any theater. I don't know. I've never spoken to him about it. Mm. But, I mean, when you're in that position, God, could you choose any theater you wanted that was open? Yeah. But his, I think his initial impulse was, yeah, Richard Rogers, is, that's home. I was just hearing, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so when we were off Broadway, he left me a card on my snare drum that said, let's go home. Oh, God. So, you know, so it just gives you, a, a, you know, insight as to, he's loyal. Yeah. That's 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 what I'm looking for. Yeah. You know, and, th- and that runs through all Alex, mm. through all the people, all the, the, the folks involved in making such a thing happen in the yeah. very beginning. So... Yeah, there's a loyalty there. I don't know if there's a better word for all those folks that are involved. Yeah, loyalty, family, home. I think those are the perfect words. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a street light chilling in the heat. I illuminate the stories of the people in the street. Some have happy endings, some are bittersweet. But I love them all and that's what makes my life complete. And it's not me who keeps our legacies. Who's going to keep the coffees, leave the secret recipes. I'm well at rest in peace. You live in my memories, but somebody's got to eat. This corner is my destiny brings out the best in me we pass the test and we keep pressing it yes indeed you know i'll never leave if you close your eyes that hydrant is a beat 
straight I'm stepping to Vanessa, I'm getting the second date I'm home, where it's a hundred in the shade But with patience and faith we remain unafraid I'm home, you hear that music in the air Take the train to the top of the world And out there, I'm home I know, I'm sorry you guys But what other song was I supposed to play? I mean, come on. I had to, I had to. I'm sorry to emotionally manipulate you if I did, but come on, I didn't have a choice. Hopefully you'll cut me some slack because how cool is Andreas Ferrero? Just the coolest. He has such a soothing voice, such a warm vibe. I just love him. I had the best time talking with him. I think you're gonna absolutely love next week's episode because we start with some questions from one Alex Lackamore. Not really questions as much as they are things that Lack really, really wanted me to talk to Andreas about. So yeah, next week we dive into the music of Hamilton, the drums, what Andreas added, what he embellished, what really speaks to him. It's just the best. You're going to love it. Thank you, as always, so, so, so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. I love you. I'm G.Pen. Support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash the Hamilcast. You can get access to the closed Facebook group where you can submit questions for upcoming guests, get behind the scenes access, live AMA videos, and other cool rewards. My gratitude for the Patreon peeps is through the roof and always will be. Thehamilcast.com is the home of all your podcast needs, including episodes, guest bios, and my Hamil reference heavy and extensive notes on the Chernow chapters that I insist on calling chirpters. Sorry about that. You can listen to episodes anywhere you get your podcasts, but I'm just saying if you really loved it, you would subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for the podcast on social media, it couldn't be easier. At the Hamilcast on all the things. I'm at Jillian with a G on all social media, and you can check out The Residuals, my web series with Mike, you know Mike, at theresiduals.tv and my true crime podcast with Patrick Hines of Theater People at truecrimeobsessed.com. Thank you again for listening to The Hamilcast. I'll talk to you in five seconds on Twitter. <laughs>